My name is Gus Morris. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello. You're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm Sean Meadow, and I'm a sports writer with the Daily Emerald. With me in studio today, we have... Gus Morris, uh, senior sports reporter uh, covering the Oregon men's basketball team. And... Jack Butler, sports reporter covering the men's basketball team, among others. And I'm also covering the men's basketball team. Failed to mention that earlier. And in this episode, guess what? We'll be talking about that men's basketball team. Let's get started. Big game tonight, Oregon versus Utah here at Matthew Knight Arena. And the Ducks beat the Utes in Utah earlier in the season, but they lost to Colorado in Colorado. It's a shaky win. So how does how does that Utah game, the first time around, how does that impact today? And mind you, the game is tonight, so we're recording this now, Thursday, 11.40 a.m., February 16th. The game will be played tonight. This probably won't get out there until after the game, so we don't know the outcome, so... That's that's where we stand, but do you do Utah come into Matt Knight and break that home win streak, or does it stay? You know, I don't. Just seeing how how Oregon has been playing the last couple of weeks. Um, I mean, obviously they had you know the setback against UCLA. They played well against USC, and even last time against Utah, it was a back and forth game, and Utah kind of pulled it close towards the end, but Ducks you know held on, but. Oregon playing at home is just, you know, like the, it's a team that, I mean, they have, I mean, they have a 40 game home win streak, you know, for a reason. So is it like a given that Oregon's going to win? Because I think Utah's a good enough team to come in and win. No, I think, I think they are too. But I mean, Jack, got anything? No, I mean, they definitely could come in and upset. I think actually it's a higher chance than Colorado, um, especially since the Ducks lost to Colorado last time. But for Utah, if you control the boards against them, that's their strength. You know, they're number one in offensive rebounds in the Pac-12. So as long as you don't let them crash the boards, the Ducks will be fine. They have their superior in both offense and defense. I mean, so if you don't give Utah second chances, which is what they're best at and how they score, then the Ducks will run away with this one. And yeah. Oregon's, Oregon's really tall, but the perimeter defense is still there. I think even after losing Elgin Cook last year, I don't know how important that's going to be against Colorado, but I think Utah... I think we know coming into this that Oregon is going to probably be the stronger team. They're going to probably control the tempo of the game. I think they'll win the game. But I think the one that everyone's paying attention to is that Colorado one. I know the student tickets sold out for the Colorado game before the Utah game. I don't even know if those are sold out yet for student section. But that loss in Colorado, is that in the back of the mind of Dana Altman or is this team? I don't know what's going on right there, but... Jack, you were at media availability not too long ago. Was it yesterday? Yeah, yesterday, and and they didn't talk too much about it because they have Utah first, so it it was the you know one game at a time. We're focused on Utah right now, but there's there's no doubt that you know when the you know this team only has four losses, and and you're gonna remember you know if you have four, you're gonna remember one, and you're gonna go out and you're gonna try and avenge that loss, um, especially since. You know, they're at home, and it'll be the senior day. It'll be the last game at Matt Knight Arena for Ennis and Boucher and, and Charlie Noble. And, uh, and, Can't and, forget Charlie. And they're Can't not, Charlie. you know, for, for, for Boucher, you know, and Ennis too, it, they've never lost at Matt Knight Arena. So um, if you think they're going to lose to a team on their senior day, <laughs> to a team that they've already lost to this year, you know, I I don't I don't think, see that happening because I think they just come out and they blitz this team right away. They get out running, 
and 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 last time Colorado was really hot from outside. But you know, I think I think it's the Ducks' turn. You yeah. bring up the seniors there. Uh, how important are they going to be this weekend? And are they going to miss them the most next year? Looking ahead, but obviously, let's focus on this weekend first. But Good. how important are they going to be? Does Boucher start? Does he come off the bench like he's been? No, he he comes off the bench. I, I, you don't change anything just because it's a a senior day and and the fact that you have already lost to the team, they can beat you. So you're not just going to throw anything out there that's completely different. You do what has gotten you to this point. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and something to look at too, uh, you know, I mean, even after this year, or after this season, is is what this team could look like, you know, even, you know, next year when when potentially you have Dylan Brooks could be gone, when you have Jordan Bell could be gone, Tyler Dorsey could be gone, um, obviously Boucher and Annis are gone, Charlie Noble, huge loss. I mean, it's it's just like, what is this team gonna look like, you know, when all these guys are gone? <laughs> Because, I mean, you know, you do have a decent recruiting class coming in. you got Troy Brown, uh, five-star recruit, uh, coming in next year. You have Paul White, who sat out this year as a redshirt. Um, you have MJ Cage, who hasn't really played at all this year. He, he's, uh, I mean, Dana liked what he was what he was bringing them in the in the preseason and in fall. So, I mean, it's the identity of this team is going to change a lot. So, I, um, I mean, we, we were going to talk about today, too, uh, if this is the best chance this team has to go uh, to the pack, uh, or to the Final Four. And I mean, I really think it is. I mean, I don't know when Oregon is going to have a team this stacked of talent again. I don't think Oregon's had a team this stacked. I don't think they'll ever have a team this stacked unless because of this team, they start to get those recruits. I think they did with Brown coming in next year. I don't know how much they can rely on youth, though. Oregon's a good team right now because there's so much experience. And I think Ennis being on the team also helps calm some of the younger players just because he's super loose and He's a casual guy, and he's he's older than them all. And you've got Boucher, who's also older and experienced, and Dylan Brooks has had some too. And There's a lot of talent on this team that's going to be sorely missed when they go. And I think that's not recovered by freshmen. I don't, I don't think so personally. No, you can't. I mean, you just can't replace guys. You know, like they have like the seniors, like the upperclassmen who might go to the NBA after this year. And – you know that that run into the elite eight last year was huge um in terms of just getting experience in the tournament so not only do they have a lot of talent they're way deeper than they were last year you know they can go they can, they can go all the way they can win it all they have that potential obviously they're a top 10 team but i think it's that experience playing in the tournament last year that is most valuable and then a lot of those guys that have to step up next year you know, aren't guys that are going to see the floor for this year's team in the tournament, um, and they're not going to have that experience. So, you know, that, that that goes a long way. And I think, you know, I, I think for like for for Boucher and Ennis and those guys, they're they're the senior leaders, and if they you know if they want to go out on a strong note, they can. And I think they know. And for guys like. Brooks, they know that this is it. You know, this is kind of this year. You talked about performing in the tournament because of experience last year. You bring up Boucher. He was he was subpar in the tournament, I think it's safe to say, last year. To a degree. I don't remember what, what he put up, but let me just go back. I don't and check I don't know, out. but I remember the Oklahoma game, he just seemed yeah, shut down. I think the Duke game pretty, uh... the Duke game I don't think he performed too well either. And other players had to step up and Obviously, Dylan Brooks was the story out of that one, but 
Elton. I don't, I don't know how. Yeah. How do those guys perform? I mean, now oh. you have Ennis in there too. Like this team could do some damage in the tournament. Elgin was about the only one that showed up to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and even if they had, even if more players had played well, I mean, it, it watching that game last year just seemed like it was that was Oklahoma's destiny. Uh, they just couldn't miss. And and Buddy Hield was one of the best players in the country. So, but but they're gonna, you know, they've talked about it before. You're gonna encounter teams. You know, they went Saint John, Saint Joe's, and then they went Duke, and then Oklahoma. And that you know that's how rough the tournament is, and and you know that's why seeding seeding matters because even even between a one and a two, if you're a two in you know maybe Gonzaga's side of the bracket, assuming Gonzaga wins out, get a one seed, that might actually be easier. I know Gonzaga's undefeated, but but they play a significantly easier conference in a significantly easier conference than a lot of teams. You know you might you might rather kind of be a two seed. That is in Gonzaga's number one bracket compared to maybe a one seed if the Ducks win the Pac-12, win the Pac-12 tournament, and then you know maybe you have a Duke or a North Carolina or Louisville or somebody in there as a as a two seed. You know these are these are things that, although you you never plan around it, matter, and and so that's why like you know maybe maybe you know going forward we're we're going to talk about the conference and how the conference we, we think will shake out, but going forward, maybe, you know, maybe it might be beneficial to drop in the pact of, you know, second or something like that. Just there, there's so many things that can go unaccounted for. So right now, Gonzaga is projected as the one seed in the West, uh, according to ESPN's bracketology. Um, and, uh, they have, according to Kempom, they have the 120th, uh, toughest schedule in the country. So I would, and uh, Oregon is Oregon is the number, is is projected as the number two seed in that in that bracket as well. Um, but I mean, there are there is some good competition in that bracket right now. I mean, Duke's in there. Um, Cincinnati is a good team. West Virginia is a good team. Um, I mean, USC played them tough. So I mean, it's not it's it's never going to be an easy you know an easy road yeah. in the tournament. But I would much rather have a Gonzaga over say a Baylor who blew out Oregon or a yeah. Kansas who's just loaded this year. You know, I I'd, I'd, I'd much rather have a Gonzaga if I were the Ducks. I mean, you have a really strong team in the Zags even though they had the weak schedule. I think they blew teams out. They've won games comfortably. And Oregon's had some tough tests against teams maybe going into the game you'd expect a little bit more comfort. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, if you look at the Ducks' schedule, it's obviously significantly more difficult. But I actually think ending on the road for the Ducks is 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 kind of a nice way to end the season because this team is so good at home, and you're you're not going to have that advantage as they know. You think they're just too comfortable at home, and is that is that part of it? Do you think? I mean, I'm I'm sure that finishing on the road is going to help them because they won't be playing at Matt Night. Yeah, they're, they're the not going to they're not going to play at Matt Night again. So I think finishing on the road is is important. And you know, it's not on the road against Arizona or against the LA teams. They already kind of got that out of the way. You know, you do have to go on the road at Cal, which is tough. But they really they should win at Stanford, at Cal, and at Oregon State. They're three you know, road games remaining. And and those can be little confidence boosters because you're not going to have that home court advantage come March. And come March, who knows what's going on with Oregon. I think yeah, it's, no, there's true. a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of question marks because this team was picked one last year. They lose in the Elite Eight 
and in a heartbreaking fashion to a degree. I mean, it's not like a buzzer beater, but when you just get stomped on by a team like after Oklahoma, a role that they after, were on, exactly, like, yeah, yeah. and the team like it's like wait, that's oh I forgot how losing felt. Like that's kind of what it exactly yeah. seems like, but. I think this team is a little bit more experienced. I think Altman now has that experience in the tournament that maybe drives them. But what's driving them on the court is the three-point shot. And that is that's a dangerous life to live, I think, where you're living and dying by the three-pointer, which Oregon is doing to an extent right now. Who knows? Who knows if they show up with a three-pointer in the Pac-12 tournament? Who knows if they show up with a three in the NCAA tournament? If you have one bad game from behind the arc it's a bad game there's i don't know that's how it is for oregon right now well you all you have to look at is they already referenced it but when they played oklahoma last year oklahoma was a three-point shooting team and oklahoma ran them out of the building just because they were on fire and then they go into the final four they play villanova and they can't hit and they lose so there's a perfect example right there and and the ducks have already seen it um, you know, there has been a steady increase in the amount of three-pointers that they're putting up there. I mean, 40% of their points in Pac-12 play have come off three-pointers. You know, that that, that is a, a steady, steady increase from even the regular season. And I think that, uh, you know, I think when you have just the presence inside of guys that have the ability to drive, like the two Dillons, you know, even Boucher, Jordan Bell can make moves inside, that, that frees up guys like... Uh, we've seen Casey Benson recently been on fire from outside. Tyler Dorsey, obviously Peyton Pritchard can hit him, and even Ennis has been lights out from three. So you just hope that you know if, if the Ducks are going to continue to shoot from the outside, you just have to hope that at least you know that, that not all of them are cold in one game. <laughs> you know, because there's enough three point shooting talent on this team to where like you know if, if Dorsey isn't hitting, if Brooks and Ennis and Pritchard and those guys are hitting, then you're fine. The problem is if everybody goes cold, which has happened in the last, you know, five minutes of games on that road trip to uh, L.A. and and a big reason why they lost to U- the reason why they lost to UCLA and then led up a big lead against USC. And Dana has, I mean, Dana has said repeatedly this year, you know, there are ten games we're going to shoot amazing. There are ten games we're going to shoot middle of the road. And there's ten games we're not going to shoot for heck. Quoting the great Dana Allman, but the prop, the profit. But what I think it will be the difference for this Oregon team is is what they do on the defensive end. I mean, you know, I mean, sure they cannot shoot the ball well, but but as Dana says, it's 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 how you play in other facets of the game. And I think that that, that with where Oregon's defense is right now, how they have, what are they? They're I mean, they're ranked the third best defense right now in the conference, and they're only two points behind number one Cal. Yeah. So I mean, they have a very good. I mean, you know, their defense is one of the best in the country. They're our best in the conference, uh, and I mean, they're they're even a pretty good one in the in the country as well. And I mean, they're also holding their opponents to the lowest three point percentage in conference play too, thirty point six. Yeah, and in terms of points per one hundred possessions, which is efficiency, um, you know, they're they're sixteenth in the nation, and I, I believe they're first in the conference. So, but it has been interesting because as somebody who, who watched the games, you know, wasn't there live on the LA trip, but you know. I thought that the reason they let those big leads was because the offense kind of sputtered. They lost their ball movement. They, you know, it didn't seem like anybody really wanted to initiate a drive until there was about 10 seconds left on the shot clock. And then at that point, you're just kind of scrambling. Um, but at media yesterday, Ennis and Altman really talked about rebounding and defense, which I didn't think 
you know, which kind of surprised me because I didn't think that was as much of the problem. Mm-hmm. And obviously UCLA, they hung 82 points on them, which is is the most uh, they may have allowed all season or close to, I think, you know, maybe they had like 77 in the Army game initially. But, I, I mean, you know, UCLA is a pretty powerful offensive team, so you have to take that into account too. But it's interesting how they saw it, you know, as a defensive and as a as a rebounding problem when I think from the outside looking in, it really seemed like a an offense kind of sputtered and it didn't seem like anybody really sort of, you know, knew what to do in the game when they lost that big lead and then everybody kind of panicked. And you mentioned, you know, Oregon's offense in late games possessions or, uh, you know, in late game situations too. And, and I mean, you know, Dylan Brooks has kind of been that guy, you know, he's been, he's been Oregon's go-to guy at this point in the season. You know, I mean, you look at UCLA, you look at the Utah games, you know, he's been, he's been the guy center stage, giving the ball, get out of the way. And that's what he's been doing. My only concern is, is, you know, if say Brooks is in foul trouble, if, if his passion, you know, boils over and it gets technical and coach has to sit him or, you know, if, 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 if he re-aggravates, re-aggravates his foot, you know, I mean, who is going to step up and take that and take that closer role? I mean, no one has really done that at this point in the season. And the only guy that I can point to who has produced well in late games is Peyton Pritchard. And I mean, this kid's yeah. f- like he's a six foot freshman. You have a freshman trying to take over a game. Yeah. And I mean, late against a Pac-12 school. That's I, very difficult to do. And that's a lot on the kid's shoulders. Absolutely. And I mean, when you look at the roster, too, when you when you look at a 25 year old with Dylan Annis and when you look at, you know, as uh, Chris Boucher, you know, is a double digit scorer. And, and I mean, Jordan Bell is not known for his offensive game. It's like who? Who steps up and until he put a twenty six yeah, point know, performance? Right? Like I mean, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, he keeps saying he's not an offensive player, but it's like, come on, man. But I mean, also, it's like uh, you know, T- Tyler Dorsey has trouble creating his own shot. I mean, he's trying to, but it's like, you know, what other player is going to step up other than you know a Peyton Pritchard or a Dylan Brooks? You know, when these guys are are not shooting well. I mean, the fun answer is Charlie Nobel, but uh, that's just the running joke going on. But I mean, when you have Brooks fall off, then. You don't have anyone stepping up. I don't think Pritchard's the right guy to step up. And that brings it back to the point of next year when those experienced players are gone and Oregon has just freshmen. Maybe Dorsey's still there. Maybe. maybe. I, I think there's a good chance. Yeah, I think just, so. I, I think there's a better chance based he's off, still based there. Based off no information. But, uh, <laughs> I just, just, sources? No sources tell yes, me. No sources tell me that Tyler Dorsey <laughs> might stay. Um, no, just based off, I mean... Looking at NBA mock drafts, he's not on there. I could see him coming back, but again, who knows what he wants to do. I do actually believe in Peyton Pritchard down the stretch in late games. I think he's shown that he can he can put up some points, and he has some pretty miraculous shots. So Right, and we've only got a little bit of time left here, just about a minute or so. So we're going to try and wrap it up with really a big-picture moment. Pac-12, UA, you have Arizona, you have UCLA, you have Oregon. Oh, my goodness. Five, six, seven. That's that's phenomenal. Who wins the Pac-12 in the regular season? Who wins the Pac-12 tournament? Who's the highest seed going into the tournament? I think you just had a Bill Walton moment there, Sean. Um, Thank oh you. Oh my goodness. Oh that's, my goodness. Oh my goodness. Um, so I mean, I'll last have a tree after this. <laughs> so I mean, last last podcast I said it was UCLA. I mean, I'm gonna have to go back on that, that at this point. I mean, I think Oregon's defense is what is going to help get them far. But I think that in terms of just overall team cohesiveness and um, 
you know, overall talent, I think it's going to be Arizona at this point. I mean, they're clicking. Um, their offense is is looking great. They have one. Of, they have top three defense in the in, in the conference as well. They're only at like allowing under sixty five points a game. I mean, I just think with how balanced they are with Trier back now, I I think they're the team to beat right now in the in the Pac twelve. But obviously, anything can happen. I think Arizona is a team to beat. However, I'm a, I'm gonna just go out and say a Ducks win the regular season. Arizona drops at UCLA, and then um, you know going into the tournament, I'm gonna pick. Arizona, but they but they do, they would have to run a kind of a gauntlet of UCLA in the semis and then probably the Ducks in the finals. So I, I, I'm gonna say Arizona's the best team, but Ducks win the conference. I agree. I agree with Jack there. Um, oh, I'm the odd man out. All right, yeah, you're wrong. you are, but you know UCLA still good. I think Lonzo Ball has his moments, but many Arizona, many 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 moments. Many, many, many but many Arizona's moments. the best. I think Oregon still though. Head-to-head, I think, in a tournament situation, the Ducks take the cake. And that's all the time we have for today. My name's Sean Meadow. Thanks to Gus Morris and Jack Butler as well for being here. Thanks, you know Sean. it. I mean, I didn't host it, but I hosted the show. So thanks to Emerson as well. Behind the glass, doing the work. So to hear more. It's the magic man. <laughs> from the Emerald Podcast Network, you can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, etc., wherever you get your podcasts. And listen to these episodes right on the Emerald homepage as well at dailyemerald.com. Feel free to leave us a comment on SoundCloud, thedailyemerald.com, or wherever you can leave a comment on Facebook, etc. Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about, if you like the show, if you didn't like the show, and anything about but who men's would, basketball. Who, who wouldn't like this show? I mean, who wouldn't love this show? My takes are so hot. That's, that's, that's Gus, just like his basketball shot. Hey, and, that's all we've got so thanks for tuning in folks